I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Wednesday night. Old friend OG here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. The Athletics, Yovan Bua. Yovan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's been, uh, it's been a bit since we talked, and not a lot has happened with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. It's not been a lot. pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got a new owner, Jay Moore, taking over in a row. <laughs> He, he was in Jerry Maguire, right? Uh, I have. No, I'm saying he, he was in the movie. Oh. I, I I believe so, I want to say. I haven't seen it in that I was going to say sports, sports agent, Jay Moore. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen him at games? Has that been like yeah. known in circles? Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're they often together at games. Interesting. Okay. See, this is no surprise. I saw this and I was like, sure, that sounds about right. Like uh, Jay Moore. Okay. Um, I love the transition from like Phil Jackson to Jay Moore. Uh, you just, you never know. You never know uh, who the right person is for you. Um, Yovan, Christmas coming up. Um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the, what's the big gift for, for the little man? What is, uh, what is the big one this year? Uh, He's not going to he listen wa- to the pot. Yeah. He, he wants uh Legos. It's just okay. all different kinds of Lego sets. So he, he's, he's in a Lego phase. Um, okay. So were you just, a Lego kid? A little bit. I, I had a, not really, I, mm. I would say I had like a, I was more of an action figure guy. Okay. Like Power um, Rangers? Yeah. Power Rangers or like Batman or okay. Ninja Turtles or like stuff like that. Um, so I, I was more into like having like battles and different <laughs> things with my action figures and mm-hmm. like playing out different scenarios. And, um, and then I, I transitioned into doing that with basketball uh-huh. and I would like play outside in my backyard and like simulate games and like defend myself, which didn't really make sense, but it made sense in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, it was fun. I like it. I used to do, we had a, um, I grew up in a cul-de-sac and uh, there was like a really cool like sewer drain that worked perfectly for a home plate. So I would just pretend I was in a stadium and I turned my cul-de-sac into a baseball stadium and just would throw the ball up in the air and, uh, smack it to different parts of did, the did neighborhood. Did you ever break a window with that? No, I did not. Uh, okay. Thankfully, but it was mostly Good. tennis balls. So, okay. um, not a. I probably would have broken a window, and it would have been a bit. I don't think my parents would have let me do that every day okay. if I had been uh, going full on baseball with that, because that would have absolutely led to not even a broken window, but like a. I would have hit a car because there were a lot yeah. of cars around. Like there's broken some liners, show, yeah. and 
that that wouldn't have gone well that's interesting like you're i've heard a couple of my friends who have kids now who talk about like legos is and that place for whatever reason legos just stand the test of time like for whatever reason they're just like never going anywhere it doesn't matter what generation like kids are still just they're going down the lego hunt i was not a lego kid and i remember i complained one time uh when i was younger because i went to someone's house uh and they were like oh uh, you want to play legos like this whole thing it was like he had a whole room and i was like this is what what are we doing like what <laughs> what are we doing do you not have any like nba trading cards do you have any games i was in like, trading cards i was yeah. a big first first pokemon cards and then transitioned to, yeah. to basketball cards but yeah I, I wish not, I kept those. I, it was in my, it's not how I'm wired. It's just funny. I feel like kids just have to be wired that way. Um, some are future engineers like the Lego kids and some <laughs> are like us. They were like, ah, I'm just going to go uh, pretend I'm playing in the NBA or Major League Baseball or get some trading cards. Um, Yovan, a team you cover, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. I, uh, <laughs> I had Corbin Ford on who's a Lakers fan last week and one of the things I had posited, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, where I still maintain that LeBron James has already played his last important um, <laughs> NBA minute, like playoff minute. I think um, he's. we don't have to relitigate uh, that part of it. But the thing that was coming up over the last few weeks was like, oh, Anthony Davis, MVP conversation, because he's down low, he's playing the five, he's dominating, the Lakers are winning a little bit. They, they were still like three games under 500 uh, when that chatter was really strong. And like, I just pushed back where I'm like, well, no, he's not in the MVP conversation. Like the Lakers can't win enough games. Like they're not anywhere close <laughs> to being in that position where Anthony Davis would win enough games. And also it's early December, late November. Can we see if he plays the five for six months straight? Can we, can we see if that's even sustainable at this point? Like I'm going to hedge against it. I'm going to go. I I think we've seen post bubble what Anthony Davis is like, and it's a great player. And I wish we could turn injuries off, but I just, I, I, I didn't see it. And then you get the foot injury. And as someone who is recovering from a broken foot uh, in September, it's not a fun thing to come back from uh just dealing with the foot and dealing with anything like this especially when you're a basketball player and you're just on your feet and you have to run a lot foot injuries are scary and they're not great especially for big men and it's just a real pain in the butt to uh to get back but with you Yovan and what happened with AD I mean how much of it was him moving to the five and taking on that burden that he's very much been reluctant to do full-time since being a Laker and how much of it was just bad luck. And you're like, all right, well, the Lakers, they, they were maybe turning the corner, but now it's like, all right, well, they're in a weird spot. I think it was more the latter. I, mm. I don't really think playing the five has, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely more taxing. Mm. Uh, but I would say if, if anything, I think it's, it's more of like the workload that has come with the roster construction and mm. him having to play so many minutes. And you look at, uh, I, I just wrote this today. Like LeBron is averaging 39 minutes a game over his last five games. And like, that's just too high, mm. uh, you know, of a number for LeBron to be playing at this point in, in his career. And AD was at a similar, uh, similar figure before he went down uh, against Denver. So I think if anything, like just the, the amount that he's had to do on both ends um, and, and, you know, maybe that's more physically taxing at the five versus at the four, uh, but I don't, I don't think like, and th- that was always the thing is like, I, I kind of rejected the premise. Like, you know, that, that would be kind of the, the previous point, 
that that would be made was like you know ad doesn't want to play the five because it's so much more physically taxing and i was like well like yes and no like i mean yeah you're gonna have to bang probably with a Jonas Valanciunas or Steven Adams, but like um, there, there are kind of ways that y- you can avoid that or, um, you know, y- you could like, I-, I thought Markeith Morris was a really key guy for them when, mm. when they had him during that championship run where he, he could kind of deal with those guys and, and they would go smaller, but then like 80 would kind of play more the four defensively uh, in some regards and, and Keith could, could kind of bang. So I think a lot of it has to do with the, just the roster construction and, and, uh, up until this point, Thomas Bryant ha- had been basically unplayable until these last few games where he's just like shot out of a cannon and all of a sudden he's like 17 and seven and he's knocking down threes and um, playing really well. But like Damian Jones has, has been unplayable. Wyden Gabriel has been their second best uh, big man this season. And he was someone who we didn't even know if he was going to be on the roster entering mm-hmm. the, the season. And all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, he, he's playing well, but he's also six foot nine, you know, pretty athletic, but kind of undersized for for a traditional five. So I think the Lakers, like from a roster construction perspective, haven't done 80 any favors. Uh, that, that's why I was on team trade for Miles Turner. I, I think uh, Turner and 80 would be a great fit together. I, I think if you were in a lab designing the ideal big to partner with Anthony Davis, it would look like something like Miles Turner, where it's like a three and D big where offensively you're spacing the floor you're letting ad be a role man post up iso do all the things he likes to do inside the arc uh and then turner is a catch and shoot guy pick and pop guy trail guy in transition and then defensively uh it's kind of recreating that you know big defensive lineup that worked with which available mcgee back in the championship season and and we've seen ad thrive uh in that kind of two big system so uh, i think for me that that you know that was a, a kind of a missed opportunity for the lakers but um, I think it, it, it just is honestly, it, it's kind of a freak injury. I think he he clearly is brittle to some extent because we just see like certain guys absorb the contact and come down and, like LeBron, you know, mm-hmm. he, he will have that type of play come down, you know, tie his shoe a little bit tighter and he's okay. AD, it's a serious foot injury. Like it's just, you, you, you know, just, I think there's something with his body where he just kind of you know, absorbs contact or, or whatever, like a, a different way. And, um, it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the Lakers, but, uh, that's what they have to deal with now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it just, it, it sucks because he was probably playing the best basketball, definitely the best basketball he's played in LA outside of maybe the bubble, uh, but potentially the best basketball of his career, at least from a statistical perspective, like, um, he, he was just amazing the, these last few weeks. And, uh, it just sucks that he has to go through another setback where, you know, likely will be some form of rehab and, um, you know, just it, it, he's going to be out a while. And you worry too, because it's not like he, br- he didn't break anything. Right. Uh, we, we don't really know like what the injury is yet, which is also mm-hmm. kind of weird. You know, we're, we're on day five since the injury and there's been no formal, uh, announcement from the team. There's been no mm-hmm. official timeline. Uh, you know, the athletics Shams Sharania reported, it's going to be at least a month. So we, we kind of have a time frame there of like mm-hmm. a minimum of four weeks, but, could it be six weeks? Could it be eight weeks? Could it be 12 weeks? Like, I think that's still all in play right now. And uh, ESPN reported today that he, he's getting a second and third opinion on his foot, which uh, is never a great sign. And, and also mm-hmm. to me indicates the Lakers and, and AD probably aren't liking the answer that they're hearing right now. And, and they're really trying to you know, confirm that it's maybe as bad as it's seeming. So um, we, we don't, I mean, it sounds like it's out of break because he did have an MRI and, and you know, it, I think that would have been revealed, but you know, is it some form of a tear or something or 
Um, you know, could it be something more serious like a Liz Frank? Like, I, I, I don't know, but uh, it, it, it is weird that like we're almost a week into this and there's been no official announcement. It could also be like a stress fracture or something like that. It could be something yeah. where they're debating what the best course of rehab or coming back up. Like, should you just get surgery and bite the bullet and be out for a little bit and just get it completely taken care of? Should you just rehab it and work on it? Like, I, I mean, it's just funny because like I have all this experience and I've just asked so many questions at my PT and just been so curious to like, I'll, I'll just see people. I'm like, what'd you do to your foot? Cause I was just, I have now a six cents Yovan. Uh, when you break your foot and you walk around in a boot for two months, you start um, just noticing everybody else's foot issues and you see how other people walk and you have to, when you have to fix your walk and like, I've had to fix my gait and getting back to normal and all that kind of stuff. It's just feet you're just on it so much when you break your arm or whatever like you can just put in a sling you're done it's it's an easy thing to come back from a shoulder anything like that foot is just i, I don't know when i saw that i'm like i don't know if ad's 100 percent every game this season because you're just gonna have to trust it and if you don't have surgery or anything like that it's just scary uh because you have there's just so much stress that you put on your feet especially in basketball and especially for these big guys I don't know. You're just going to be <laughs> every Laker fan. If he just got, does come back in a month and a half, it's just going to be extremely nervous when he moves up and down the court because it's just really hard to deal with foot injuries. Like it's really, it's just hard. Yeah. And, and I, I think like, uh, I'm sure you saw the play, but it, it was yeah. also like a really freaky play where mm -hmm. like, I, I've never seen someone injure their foot like midair where yeah. it, it, he basically like, got his foot caught on a Nikola Jokic's calf and mm -hmm. all of a sudden like that was the injury like that was usually it's like you know you land funny you, you twist it you, you sprain it like whatever mm -hmm. um it's it's usually the impact of the landing but not like in air something like that happening um so that that was just I mean he just had so many of these freak accidents where yeah. someone falls into his leg and it just twists weird or um, you know, he, he moves it weird. Like, it's just, he, he has so many freak acts, but like at some point it's like, you know, if, if, if it continues to happen, which it has, like, this is now the third straight season, he suffered a major injury. Like, and obviously you, before he came to LA, he had had the injury history in new Orleans. Like it, it's kind of like, I don't know if it matters it, whether he's injury prone or not, but he, I, I feel like he's, he, he, you know, the, you only have so long of a career, right? So like yeah. you can say it's random and, and you can say like, you know, all these things kind of just happen to happen to him. But like, if you have a 15 year career and you get injured in like 10 or 11 of those years, like, I mean, that that's the sample size, right? And, yeah. and you know, you can say, yeah, if he played a hundred years, he would have only gotten injured like 20 times. Well, 10 of those happen to be like the, the years he played, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, it's one of those things now where it, it is adding up. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this changes anything with the Lakers and AD like long-term. Uh, I, I think it's too early to have that conversation, but I, I do wonder, like, you know, it's just, it's really kind of tough to rely on him playing six, you know, 60 plus games in, in a given season at this point, which is the way the last three years have gone. In, ter in the short term, Yovan, like how how screwed are the Lakers without AD? I don't think they're as screwed as as you might think. Hmm. Um, but I'll, with the caveat that that's like the next month. I think the next yeah. month is relatively. It's a relatively like decent stretch for them. Um, it is road heavy, and they have not played well on the road. So 
Mm. Uh, I could be wrong and they, they could just unravel completely. Uh, mm. But, you know, they only play one top four team and that's Denver in the next month. Uh, and, you know, they, they play Atlanta twice, Miami. Twice. So, like, they played some solid teams, but um, they have four really winnable games. They play Charlotte twice. They play Houston and they play Orlando. Like, you, you got to win those games. You can't drop any of them. Um, and you win those. And then all of a sudden, you know, can you steal a game at home against Atlanta or Miami? Like, can you, um, you know, beat? I, they just have a lot of these, like, kind of mid-tier playoff or play-in teams that, you just got to, you know, they play Sacramento a couple of times. Like you just got to steal one or two of those. And all of a sudden you're six and eight or, or, you know, seven and eight without AD. And like, mm. yes, they're already, you know, they're 13, 17, four games under 500. So you're still not in a great spot, but you've at least treaded water. Like that's in the optimistic case. Now, mm. of course, if AD's out two to three months, they're really screwed. Because if you look at the rest of their schedule, like post mid January, then it gets like, you know, they at Boston, back to back in New York. Um, you know, they're they're playing like the good teams again, and they got a Phoenix in there, and like so. I think if eight, if it's like op, you know, if, if it says the optimistic timeline where eighty's out four weeks and he comes back, it's not that serious of an injury. They get another opinion, and, and it's more optimistic. Like, I think they could tread water and, and potentially still make the play in tournament. If he's out for two to three months, I think it, it's a wrap. Like, it's. I mean, they're already 12th in the West. Like, you, you know, you, you can just kind of pencil them in there, 12th or 13th. And I, I think that there's really no upside to the rest of the season. Um, LeBron gets to go to uh, the college tour with Bronny, though, in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to pass Kareem, which is a big deal. I, yeah. I think it's it's kind of... Well, it's like uh, when he gets there and then he's like, all right, yeah. Bronny, we're going to Oregon. We're going to Ohio State. <laughs> where do you want to go this spring? Where, where do you want to go visit? Yeah, so, I mean, that that's... That's where it's at. I, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, there's a lot riding on this AD, uh, you know, AD diagnosis and, and kind of the timeline because I, I think it's really going to dictate how aggressive they are in the trade market as well as really the direction of their season. Like, do they still have a shot? Or if it's two plus months, I think it's it's probably over. Do you think internally they believe they can still win the title if AD gets right and with the roster is currently constructed? Do you think that that no, was not, still... not with the not with the current roster? No, okay. I think that they're aware that they need to make a move to to be a true contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really uh, right now I, I don't think they think there's a move out there that would mm-hmm. make them a true contender, and there probably isn't. Um, you know, unless I guess like Bradley Beal, the Wizards yeah. have lost like a billion in a row, something like that. But but even then, you got to like if. If we were starting the season and, and records were zero zero, like mm-hmm. yeah, but if if they're twelfth in the West and they get Bradley Beal, like maybe you punch up to like ninth or, or eighth, but like that's still a, a well. A what huge... helps is like the West is bad right now. Like the West, the West is, is pretty bad. That, like that's what's the Warriors are still like five games out of first. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's. Yeah. I, I think, I, for, for them, I, I think like everything's kind of riding on this this eighty situation, and, and mm-hmm. then you know. After that, it's like, how do they fare without AD? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, can they be competitive the next couple of weeks, the next two, three weeks, and, and kind of show some fight, which they've been showing recently? And then also, which teams become sellers and, mm. and who's available? And, you know, is Boyan Bogdanovich the crown jewel uh, of the trade market? Or is it a Bradley Beal? Is it a Zach Levine? Is it a DeMar DeRozan? Uh, you know, like, or is it an unforeseen star that gets disgruntled somewhere and, um, you know, a situation 
you know, arises where the Lakers can kind of swoop in. And like the Bradley Beal one's interesting to me just because he has a no trade clause. So mm. Washington can't just trade him anywhere. He has to approve it. And, you know, we, we've seen now in, in recent NBA history when stars demand a trade or, or want out, it's the big markets. It, it's mm. rarely, you know, it, it's the two LA teams. It's the two New York teams. It's like Miami. And then it's like maybe another random, warm weather city where it's Dallas, it's Phoenix, uh, it's Atlanta or something. But like, it's usually a like war, you know, it's the warm weather places and like the biggest cities. And I think, so, I, I mean, I don't, th this is just speculation, but I, I would assume if Bradley Beal did want out of Washington or Washington comes to him and says, Hey, like we're going to pivot this just, you know, we're not even going to be a play in team. Like we need to trade you. Where would you like to go? I would assume the Lakers would be on the list. Doesn't mean they're mm -hmm. gonna be the favorites. Doesn't you know someone else can probably top their offer realistically, but Lakers are probably on that list. And if the other teams aren't interested, or or because it's a lot of money. I mean that mm -hmm. that's the other thing with Bradley Beal is like all things e being equal. Like yeah, Bradley Beal's a superstar and top twenty, top twenty five guy, but that's a lot of money to commit to a guy who's who's already twenty nine, almost thirty. Um, you know, you're, you're committing fifty plus million a year for the next you know four plus year or four or five years whatever it is so the lakers are willing to take that on if he becomes available you know from what i've heard so i think like something like that is interesting but barring that happening uh there really just isn't much out there that, that's yeah. going to move the needle and uh, i think they they missed the window with, with miles turner and buddy healed most likely uh you know indiana's played well miles turner's had a great season so like they're falling down a little bit they're in the play-in now yeah like i i mean i mean that maybe that pops up again uh, yeah. i think that ship has sailed but you know, just looking at the trade market, like th there just isn't much out there. And, um, you know, I reported some names today, but like, I just, n none of them really move the needle. No, because what the Lakers have to do, they can't do right. Like they can't really move AD. Like you just can't do that. And with his injury, like they're in this weird spot now where they just, they cashed in the remainder of their chips with Russ and Russ has been fine off the bench, but it's like, he's not bringing anything in and then you kind of are tied with ad and lebron until the end of this and i mean they're they're not they're not deep enough to win the west and they also just don't have the pieces to really figure out how to get there and then the option of just start fresh is also not on the table because you just you just can't with lebron and company so i don't know i think the lakers have backed themselves into a corner that i just that's why i've been kind of pessimistic the last two years about their direction i'm just like i think they're in a corner and i just i don't think even a really great gm um because i mean plinka I, everyone has different takes on the job performance of plinka thus far but like i think no matter what they're just in a bind that i don't think any kind of gm would want to try and get out of because it just it sucks i think they're just in a really really crappy situation right now yeah, um, and and you you have been on it. You you've mm. been. I mean, last year I, I got to give you your credit. You were pessimistic on. Them. I said they weren't and, a playoff team last year. Yeah, yeah. and ev everyone had them. I mean, they were mm. the West favorites entering the season, and and I I had them a little bit. I think I had them like third or fourth, um, mm. it, it, at least in seeding. Where I was like, you know, I don't think they're gonna have the best record in the West, but like probably what I mean. Yeah, I think I had Lakers and that's finals last year mm. which uh was hilarious in retrospect um but yeah i mean i, I think for, from what i've heard it sounds like the, the most realistic outcome is something like kendrick nunn patrick beverly and a 
first round pick probably protected uh, for some type of upgrade. And it's not going to be, you know, it's not gonna be sexy. It's, it's not going to be, I think a, a, a really significant needle mover, but mm. can you get Bogdanovich with that? Maybe. Um, I feel like that might be on the lower end of, of Bogdanovich packages, but like, I think it gets you in the conversation depending on the protections. Uh, can you get like, I mean, Jay Crowder is a tough one just because I think Phoenix is, is going to want a legitimate rotation guy. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't think Pat or, or Kendrick, <laughs> like, I don't think they're doing that with, with Phoenix. Um, and then you just kind of go across the league and it's like, it, it's hard to find, you know, it, it's, it's hard to find a deal that makes sense, but I think that's kind of what they're they're working with right now is like th- those two guys are movable. We're willing to move one first, but you know Russ and two firsts like there just isn't a package out there that makes sense for that. And I think they're wisely valuing the, their their first round picks after kind of the the way it's backfired, where they've kind of been a little careless with, with their mm. first round picks in in recent years and, and just kind of thinking win now and, and go all in and um you know that that did work. They won a championship that way, but. You know, giving a pick away for uh, Russ, and then um, you know, giving uh, a pick. Um, you know, they're just giving up several picks over the, over the last few years that, like, uh, you know, probably you know could have been saved or, or lotto protected or whatnot. So, I think for them, they're trying to be prudent with, with just their their approach. And um, you know, to to your point, like they're kind of in a tough spot. So it's like, yeah, could we maybe make a deal that gets us five to seven more wins? Like maybe, but what's that worth, right? Is that worth a first round pick at the end of the decade? Like when we could be a lottery team then and, um, or, or we could have rebuilt and, and have AD and another star and like be needing to add in that first round pick to, to either upgrade the roster or, or just to have another young piece with our core. Like, you know, what, what's the point of doing that for this group when like realistically they they probably don't have a championship ceiling. Yeah, I think the hope is like after next year with LeBron's like, all right, I'm good. I'm just gonna go watch Bronny play like and retire. Like you hope that happens, and then you can trade AD to kind of help reset and keep these picks and go back to uh, and just kind of re reshuffle this whole thing and start from scratch. Because I just don't know the uh, I don't know a better path right now for this team. Um, in terms of Russ, though, the narrative has shifted a little bit, and it seems like he's having fun and he's joking with. Uh, <laughs> um, Dave McMinnon of ESPN about uh, his role and uh, playing well. Like uh, his, what did he do? He did the 15, five and five off the bench thing. And uh, that's been good for him, but um, it seems like he's happy. And it seems like uh, the vibes there have changed. Yovan, what has actually changed on the floor as someone who has watched Russ play uh, for an extended stretch now off the bench? Is he doing anything different or is it just, um the expectations have shifted because he's off the bench like what is actually real in terms of russell westbrook's play over the last month or so yeah i mean i i think you put it well i i think he's he's playing with more joy i mm-hmm. think he, he's found his joy playing basketball in a way that really was gone last season um I would say his positive interactions with the media are still few and far between. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I want to clarify that that has not changed. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think, you know, I, and, and I've been saying this and it's funny because I get labeled a, a Russ hater or Russ, you know, uh, the, the Russ army comes after me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been saying like Russ is still a good player. Um, now, I think like that, that contract is is just, has not aged well. Mm. And I think 
with his style of play, which hasn't really changed much mm-hmm. uh, th- this season, there's just a limitation to how good you can be if he's your second or, or even third best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with, with the way that you know, just the, his limitations in, in terms of his turnovers and his shooting, mm-hmm. and um, so I think. For him, the biggest thing has been bringing him off the bench and staggering him and LeBron more and just playing those two guys less together. You've seen, like, Russ is at his best with the ball in his hands. Like, we've mm-hmm. just seen that throughout his career. And the Lakers have created, uh, you know, you got to give Darvin Ham credit. Like, he's created opportunities for Westbrook that he didn't always have last season. And it's, it's you know, there's been dedicated Westbrook and Westbrook AD lineups um, that th- there were last season, you know, to some extent, but there, there was more kind of naturally LeBron and Westbrook lineups just because of them starting and often closing games together. So you've seen Darwin isn't afraid to bench him in crunch time. And I think that's done what, you know, that's helped the Lakers. It's also held Russ accountable where I think you've seen him at times play more efficient in crunch time because of kind of knowing the stakes of like, if I'm playing careless, I'm going to get pulled out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you've also, I think just seen him grow with AD, uh, you know, in the pick and roll and, um, and Darvin really, I think, put certain lineups around him. You know, Thomas Bryant, he has really good chemistry with. Austin Reeves, Troy Brown. Like, he's kind of created this bench unit that has played really well together. Um, and really guys who like to get out in transition, guys who are athletic, uh, and guys who just kind of fit with what Russ needs. Um, now, I think, is he worth $47 million? No. Is Do you, you like him in crunch time? No. I mean, you, you've seen in, in recent weeks teams just put their center on him and, mm. and park that guy in in the lane and boston did it beautifully down the stretch of of that game that, that they had last week where uh luke Cornette of all people was defending russ and it was just like he was just messing everything up for the lakers it's like mm. lebron and ad run a pick and roll there's luke Cornette as the third defender in the action and like you're, you're swinging the ball to russ and he's either afraid to shoot because he's, he's missed so many or he's taking the shot and he's missing it and it's just like <laughs> You know, and, and he'll occasionally hit one and, um, you know, but I think, you know, he, he's still obviously not a, a good shooter. And I just think there's a limitation there to that fit where, uh, with him, LeBron and AD. It's never going to be a clean fit. But uh, I think the Lakers have really maximized him. He's bought into the role. He deserves credit, too, for for accepting a bench role and um, accepting Darvin benching him at times. But I think it's more of a temporary thing where, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe the Lakers do, uh, you know, resign him on you know keep him and, and re-sign him I, i'm highly skeptical of that but uh i think if they if they end up keeping him which i think they are as of mm. now it's more to do so which is it's going to take two picks to get off his contract and they don't want to give up those two picks uh, especially when the return is likely going to be low so um I, you know people can say it's because he's playing well or, or all of a sudden it's it's a better fit and like those two things are kind of true but i think it's just more to do with like still no one wants to take on that contract and that could change by the, the trade deadline. You know, we still got a, a month and a half left, but um, until that changes, I think that the price of two first round picks is just too steep for the Lakers. Interesting. Um, should contenders like to kind of pivot off the Lakers, uh, Yovan? Cause I, I just feel like you, you, you just spend so much time in Laker land. Like there's yeah. just so much time Yovan Bua spends uh, dealing with the Los Angeles Lakers and the rust stands that like he needs a break every now and then. And 
you know, it could be worse. You could be in the cold covering a dysfunctional team that is playing uh, my Hawks in a little bit, uh, the Chicago Bulls, where it's just, you look at the roster and you look at the group and I mean, Alex Caruso, I wish there was a way to just send him back to Los Angeles. That was like, there's sometimes where there's just partnerships that end where you're like, can we just get a do over? Like, obviously this is not in the best interest of both parties. They, they made a mistake. Let's just, you get a, you get a whoopsie and they just go back. Like they just, Caruso never should have left the Lakers and uh, the Bulls should never have brought in Caruso. But part of it is like, I mean, we both are big Lonzo guys and this has been rough for them uh, to see just kind of, it's out of their hands, right? Like with what's going on with Lonzo and it's not nothing. It's Lonzo. It's just another one of those injury things where it's like, man, this just sucks. Like it just sucks. The knee stuff, he wants to be back and he is an important cog in what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to build this really great defensive team with Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. It made sense to surround as many capable defenders around um, Zach Levine as possible. You, It made sense. Um, I think the Vucevic uh, trade did not make sense. Uh, that was one that uh, we were all at the time like, this is weird. I, I wouldn't have done that, but whatever. Um, and then DeRozan had an MVP-esque season a year ago, and you look at his numbers this year and last year, and the fit, and it's just the the on-off is bad like the points for possession is bad when your starting lineup is struggling as much as it is without Lonzo it doesn't matter if it's AO it doesn't matter if it's Caruso they're struggling and I look at it and I'm like I think maybe a lot of the problem when you see like Levine and DeRozan don't know how to play together but it's like they're both in the 98 percentile or close to it in usage and I'm like I think they kind of have to because they're playing a lot of lineups with just guys who can't really create Vooch uh, Patrick Williams, Derek Jones, uh, Alex Russo, the <laughs> the ghost of Goran Dragic. Like you just look at this, and I'm like, I think they're just kind of screwed. I think this this is just an untenable situation in Chicago, and it's just it's kind of sad because they really um, I think played above um, what they actually were a season ago, and now they've come crashing down uh, way more than I thought they would come crashing down, but. Um, I don't know. It's just it's a tough league to to be this good year over year when you don't really have a true true star, and they just have a a weird roster that I think they need to to fix stuff. How would you fix the Bulls, Yovan? Blow it up. Yeah, uh, I'm on team blow it up. Um, I guess to me, uh, Chicago is almost Minnesota East. Hmm. Because uh, I, uh, you know, I, I was on. I, I don't. I really like to pat myself on the back, but one thing I will pat myself on the back for was I was very low on Minnesota coming into the season. Um, I know a lot of people were were picking them as like a top four seed. I had them being the number one seed going into the playoffs in the West. Okay, so yeah, Vaughn, that's a huge miss. So I may have hit on the Lakers, but I absolutely missed. I, on yeah, the I, ju- I just did not like this. I did not like the Gobert Towns fit. Mm. Uh, I, I thought they were going to miss Patrick Beverly from a leadership perspective. And I, I just I, I didn't really like the depth uh, of the team, mm-hmm. and and um, but we, we're not talking about Minnesota here. But I, I just feel like Chicago is kind of a similar situation where mm-hmm. I think it's it's some ill-fitting parts, and and honestly, just the the East is like e- even at their peak. Like let's just say Lonzo's healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and because of that, we'll, we'll just say everyone's healthy. Let's just say the entire you know, entire league's healthy. Like where are you realistically putting them in the East? Because I'm still putting. Boston and Milwaukee clearly ahead of them. Mm. And I would probably put Brooklyn and Philly ahead of them. And, mm. and that's now you're talking like 
fifth at best. I, I'd still put Cleveland ahead of them. I, I like what I've seen from Cleveland this season. So like you're talking about at best like a six seed, and then you still got Miami, who I know they haven't had a great season, but like I I feel like they're going to be one of those teams that's like a six or seven seed that's still tough a uh, tough out in the playoffs and pushes like a team in the first round of six or seven games. Like and then okay, are they are they really better than like Toronto and and Atlanta and like you know we're going now down to like seven eight nine range and i i just think like that's where they are at, at best and, and obviously they're not healthy and, and not at their best right now so for me i would just blow it all up um you know maybe keep lonzo keep patrick williams like, like maybe keep some of the younger guys but DeRozan, vooch and, and zach levine i'm trading all three of them and getting back as many picks and as many young you know interesting guys as i can get and I'm rebuilding and it sucks because they just kind of went all in like 18 months ago to try to make this a competitive team in a competitive situation. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I, I just don't think this is better than like a six seed as constructed and, and most likely a first round and out. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, unless you just want to put butts in seats and have an exciting team and, and win 45 to 50 games every year, like that, that's fine. You know that I mean you saw that in Atlanta for, for almost a decade. But if you really want to contend, I don't think this, this core is going to get it done. And I think it, it's time for them to, to move on. And, um, you know, it sucks to do it kind of so quickly, but I think it's better to pull the plug now than you know, go through the year, wait till the summer. And like, I, I just, I just think do it now and you're probably going to get more. I also think it's under talked about like there's so much focus on Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan missing on Patrick Williams that high in the lottery. This is the kind of thing that happens is like if he is because <laughs> he was like one of those high upside guys, right? Like, okay, well we can turn him. It's he's there's just every year we're going to see the team is like, we can turn him into Kawhi Leonard. Like he can be our Which Kawhi is insane Leonard. because there, mm-hmm. there's one Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. But a lot of teams, go into that with that mindset, right? Like Toronto's doing it right now with Scotty Barnes, where it's like our development. Nick Nurse can, we can get there with, uh, with Scotty. We just won a title, uh, with a Kawhi Leonard. We know what we're doing. We know how to re redo this. Um, it's easier said than done. Like you said, there's one Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Williams. You look up all the different, uh, lineups. They're bad. Everything with Patrick Williams in it. It's just, the shooting's not there. He's not that kind of guy. And when you miss that high in the lottery, it just really, really comes back to bite you because everybody else, like it's really just Zach Levine's the holdover here. And if he hit, then you're like, oh, all healthy, like Lonzo, Patrick Williams is a young star. DeMar DeRozan is a supplemental third or fourth guy on a a really good team. Like everything looks a lot better. But because you missed on Patrick Williams, and I think now we're at the point where we can say that's probably this is who he is at this point. Um, and the stardom is not coming uh, for Patrick Williams, then you're like, all right, well, like you said, we we just kind of have to blow it up. But I also, I worry for Chicago's perspective. I I don't know what you get. Like, I don't think DeRozan really brings in a great haul. I don't think Zach Levine at this point brings in a great haul. I'm sure he brings in the I mean, best I, of anyone. I, I, know, I know a team that, that would be willing to give up a couple of picks. Oh, is it a certain team out of the Los Angeles area? Yeah, I, yeah, I think Lakers would definitely be interested in in DeRozan and, and Zach. But does he fix anything? Like, does does he help? Does he move the needle? Uh, Can they yeah. really give up more depth for Zach Levine? Like Bradley Beal, I understand it a little bit more. Zach Levine, I don't, 
I don't know. I think he's a he's a better fit than Russ, but that, yeah. that bar is relatively low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like you know, mo- most stars are a better fit th- than Russ. Mm. Um, I think DeRozan or, or Levine would, would definitely be an upgrade. Uh, now you are really going all in uh, again if if you're attaching those two picks, like th- those are your chips. Yep. You do get your your pick back on, on draft night in 2023, but like you know, for the most part, that that's kind of your your all in move. Um, but I th- I think it's something the Lakers will will monitor. Mm. Um, now you know they might it, you know that versus getting back a, a, an interesting young guy plus a, maybe you know, another pick or, or a couple picks from someone else. Like I think there's ways for like the Lakers have a, a finite amount of stuff they can give up and mm. it's, it's really pick heavy. Like, you know, it's the two picks are kind of the, the appealing thing. So can the bulls find something else that's potentially more interesting? Like for sure. I, I think that's possible, but uh, with, with DeRozan and Levine, I, I think both of them, you know, DeRozan is from LA played at USC uh, has the obvious LA connection, the, the Kobe connection, um, you know, Zach, uh, you know, West Coast guys. So I think th- there's played like at UCLA. Yeah. You know, played at UCLA for, from, uh, you know, the Seattle area. So I think like th- there's definitely something there, but, um, I, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? Like it's always easy to, to it's easy for us to say to blow it up and, and you know, yep. versus actually doing it. it. It takes a certain level of, um, you know, gall and, and, and gumption and, uh, all these G words, uh, <laughs> So, you know, I think it's easy for us to say it, but like, for, especially for a big market team too, because I, mm. I think that's the other thing is like, I, you know, I, I talked to Troy Brown earlier in the season and he was talking about, um, I asked him about the attention in LA, like the media mm. attention. And he was like, I was like, you went Washington, Chicago, LA. It feels like you're kind of like elevating in terms of like attention and, and fan base and like each situation. And he was like, honestly, Chicago and LA are like basically the same. Like, hmm. um, and he's like last year, like bulls fans and, and just the, the city was like so in love with that team. Cause they were finally good after not being good for, for several years. So like when it's good in Chicago, it's, it's really good. And like, I feel like that's, that's hard to give that up. All right. Like mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the Knicks problem, right? They, they've been searching for that and, and kind of miring in, in mediocrity and, and, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I guess we'll see if it happens. Uh, I, I think it's possible, but uh, I could also see it maybe them doing a half measure where they trade one of the two mm-hmm. and then just see, like, you know, can, can we remain competitive? And uh, in that case, I don't know if the, the Westbrook deal makes sense for them. That's more of like we're just tearing it all down and we'll give Russ the keys for a half season and then, you know, he'll sign somewhere else. I think that's why you bring in Arturis, right? Because he comes from the Denver front office of trying to navigate through the middle like i think this is a navigate through the middle kind of team so i would guess levine's still there and i think they moved to rosen i think they're just like they do him a solid of like hey where do you want to go be a contender where do you like i can see him in new york too new york's one what six seven eight story you're like all right let's just do this that's a very (laughs) new york thing of like all right we'll bring in demar Derozan now um i don't know i i could see that uh speaking of the knicks uh, Jovan, I think this is pretty interesting. I mean, everything's coming up New York. It's very weird. Uh, the Jets and Giants both might be playoff teams. You have the Nets and Knicks both. Uh, the playoffs started today are in the playoffs and playing really good basketball. Um, you have the Yankees and Mets gobbling up all the best free agents. It's like everything's coming up New York. Um, it's a little weird. But I want to ask this question. Knicks, Nets, Sixers, they're all on big win streaks um, right now, Jovan. Who 
of those three do you actually believe in the most keeping this up? The Sixers. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I thought you wanted uh, to say Nets there. Yeah, it's between, like, I'll say it's between the Sixers and the Nets. Mm. Um, with the Nets, I, I just, it's one of those situations where I, I re- like, you know, we were talking about earlier, we got to see AD stay healthy for a full mm. season. I got to see the Nets not shoot themselves in the foot for a, an entire season before I, I buy in. And, like, if they, if they maintain this for the rest of the year and there's no drama and there's no turmoil, like, sure, I, I will buy in. And they obviously have the, the infrastructure that made them so uh, appealing for, for everyone the, the last couple of years. You know, I, I think they're most people's finals picks the last couple mm. of years because of KD and Kyrie and, and previously Harden, but but now Simmons. Like they have the core that that's you know elite, but mm. I think just there's been so many things that that have been distracting that it's been difficult to, to really buy into to them as a true contender. I think for Philly, they obviously got off to a bad start. Um, but I think on paper, uh, I really like, I thought they arguably had the best off season of any team bringing in, uh, you know, PJ Tucker and Daniel house and, and the Anthony Melton. And like, I really like the moves that they made. Um, but it, you know, it, it hasn't really panned out yet, but they're obviously playing much better. And I think they're a team that, um, you know, as long as they can kind of gel going to the playoffs, like that, that is going to be a really tough team to, to beat in a seven game series. I still would favor Boston and Milwaukee over them, but them against anyone else, even if they don't end up being the three seed, like I, I would give them the edge. So uh, I think that, that that is a team that's built for the playoffs. They got, they got a lot of veterans. Um, I think a, a lot of high IQ guys and, and just, and, I mean, and beads a monster. And uh, I, I think James and him have, have kind of figured out uh, how to play together better. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Maxie's obviously kind of a wild card and um, PJ Tucker won't shoot the ball, but I think he, he's been kind of done his job defensively and, and on the glass. And, uh, you know, Tobias, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Tobias, who, like, you know, I, I think is, is, is obviously solid. So, I mean, the one thing with them is, uh, like, I, I saw it. I mean, they just had that game against the Lakers where, where they blew a, a massive lead and, and it went to overtime. I mean, they were up by nine with like 38 seconds left and it ended up going to overtime. So you can't count Doc Rivers out with, with the ability to blow a lead at any point in a game or in a series. But I do like Philly. Uh, I think they're the most substantial of those three. I wonder if they bet on the Maxi partnership with uh, Harden and Embiid and just see what this looks like the whole season. I wonder if that's what they do. You think they're going to trade him? I don't know. It's just, I don't, because I don't think they, I think if they could move anybody, it'd be Tobias. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, you've been on the, the Tobias Harris beat before. I mean, hey, who didn't love point Tobias in uh, Clipperland those years ago? Who didn't love that, Yovan? But I don't think you're getting many takers without attaching something to Tobias. And I just don't think you're getting anything that moves the needle in Philadelphia. Um, so I don't know. I think if he's their best asset, not name like uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden, who are just locked in. So I, I am curious to see what happens um, with Maxi and how they actually view him um, as a cornerstone piece. Or if they have a conversation where like, we might be able to flip Maxi for like, maybe it's a Zach Levine. Like that's something where it's like, we can upgrade with a bigger name. Max might be better and Maxi might profile better, but Joel, we don't know how many more years you have left. James Harden, we don't really know. So 
I don't know. Like, I think that's something to monitor is like Chicago. That's another built the middle where it's like, oh, you're ready to move off uh, Tyrese Maxey. We can give him the keys and he can be our number one usage guy and we can see if he can become a star here and uh, we continue to build this out and we'll give y'all Zach Levine or something. Like, I could see something like that, which would be hilarious too. Zach Levine, James Harden, and Joel Embiid late. But um, I, I think the Sixers and Daryl Moore, we just know, wants to continue to fiddle with the teams. And I don't think he is going to keep Tyrese Maxey um, for the long-term benefit based on his track record. Like if he thinks he can surround James and Joel with another star, he's going to do that. And if Tyrese Maxey is the best avenue to doing that, he will do that um, to the full extent. So I think this is the team to watch in that regard because you can like Tyrese Maxey, but it seems like the ethos for (laughs) Daryl Moore is like, if I can turn Tyrese Maxey into another star that's ready to win now for these two guys who I am terrified of year in, year out, being healthy at the same time and making this uh, through 100-plus games, then, like, I do it, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. Um, I, I like the like the Levine fit's kind of interesting mm. with um, because it, it's kind of like... It's so, like, you're kind of reducing his responsibility offensively where mm. you kind of know the pecking order is Embiid and Harden and you could get a little funky with like Harden Levine pick and rolls and um but like him just being you know you're the third guy you know you're going to thrive in transition you're going to thrive in second side actions like but the bread and butter is going to be Embiid and Harden their pick and roll or Embiid post ups and and Harden iso like I think it kind of slots him more appropriately than where in, in Chicago, he's kind of the, the one a or the one B and, and that's probably too much to ask of him. Um, and, and that's, that's where also, you know, to, to bring up the Lakers just cause I am contractually obligated, obligated to, mm-hmm. uh, like that's where I, I really like the Bradley Beal fit for them. If they're able to swing that just because I, I think Bradley Beal is more of a number three than a number one, you know, definitely than a number one, but, but even maybe than a number two, and yeah. like putting him behind a LeBron and an AD, even if it's only temporary for a year or two, I like that fit. And, and Levine, I think putting him behind Embiid and um, Harden kind of slots him in. You know, I, I know he's gotten a lot better, and uh, I think he, he's grown a lot in Chicago. But like, I still think he's he's probably more of a number three. And and that you know, w- with the role players they have and and the switchability they have on the perimeter and um, some of the shooting that they have, like I, I think that would be a really scary team. Yeah. And then that's too, it's just, I, I think uh, Kevin Durant's number two in offensive uh, real plus minus of among all uh, fours uh, pre-SPN, only behind Giannis. And people had AD in that MVP conversation. He's a couple spots below him. And I'm like, Kevin Durant's just, he's on the periphery, just being, being healthy and all that kind of stuff. But he is, I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes. I think he's at like 37 minutes a game, something like that right now. So hopefully he stays healthy and all that. But you go through their lineups and you're like, they're healthy these lineups are really good. There's a lot of different, like whatever iteration you look at with Claxton, Harris, Curry, Kyrie, um, Ben and Royce O'Neal. Um, I think that's everybody. They're good. Like all the different lineups are positive. And I, I just, nobody wants Kevin Durant and a healthy, um, locked in Kyrie Irving and company in a seven game series. Like it's just, it's hard to be Kevin Durant 
healthy set, uh, four times in a series. We, the Bucks saw it a couple years ago where they, the Nets were down to nothing and KD still almost did it by himself. So I think among the three, I'm probably the most optimistic on the Nets because as long as Kevin Durant is healthy, I just think if you pulled the, uh, the Milwaukee, Cleveland, and... Um, who am I blanking on? The other uh, Boston front front offices. Like, who do you not want in a seven game series? I think Boston's probably the most comfortable with the way that they're built um, with Tatum and Brown, and we saw what they did last year. Like, they're they're fine. They're like, yeah, bring bring Brooklyn on. But if you're Milwaukee or you're Cleveland, something like that, you're like, yeah. I want Milwaukee Brooklyn. That that would be a fun series. <sighs> that would be fun. Si- both sides healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be. I think it'd be a war. Um, Boston, though, I think would feel more than fine about it uh Jovan great catching up per great usual um any big travel plans for you the holiday season nah uh back on the road in January I'm mm. done traveling for the year so probably gonna take some days off next week uh post the big Christmas game mm. uh against Dallas and uh is that in LA or in Dallas it's in Dallas uh, also are you going dur- I'm not going. Dirk Nowitzki okay. is getting his statue, which is going to be really cool. And How do you well feel deserved. about living people getting statues? Uh, well, I've seen it with the you know Lakers gave. Like, I guess it's it's interesting because he's so. I mean, he was just playing a couple of years ago, so mm-hmm. I guess like that's kind of weird. Because um, Lakers have given it like Shaq has a statue, Jerry West, Magic, but those were a little bit more removed from their careers, where it was like you know, they're old or like Shaq was like, I think it was almost like a deck, you know, seven, I don't know, seven, eight years after he mm. retired. Dirk was just playing. It feels like, uh, you know, he, he yeah. played with Luca, right? Like, so, um, that, I don't know. I, I don't like, I, I get maybe like the argument against it, but I'm also like, give people their flowers while they're alive. Like, you know, you don't like, I, I think it's a cool retire the Jersey, give them a statue. Like, especially with Dallas, like Dirk really is the Mavericks. You know, like he, mm. I mean, there's no one that comes close to meaning as much to, to the Mavericks in their history as, as Dirk. So like, is it maybe a little unorthodox? Sure. But, um, I think li- life is short and why not give someone their flowers? I just, I imagine myself like walking around a place of like the, if the university of Tennessee gave me a shrine for just a job well done as an elite podcaster, uh, for awesome man no i would decline <laughs> i i would 1000 percent decline like i don't want to, I, i'm still alive like i think it's so weird to give people so, so you want to wait till he dies and then do it right 100 okay, are you are you how do you feel about jersey retirements then i i can't stand those either okay. i think you what you do is you literally retire and you hang it up and you do all those cool things and then you ask them like basically Hey, we think this guy's going to be a star, but this is also his nut, your number. It's always been his number. Are you okay with him wearing said number? And then if they say yes, you're good to go. But the idea, like Bill Russell's number being retired around the league where it's like, okay, if you're a Timberwolves draftee, you're like, I mean, I love Bill Russell, but why can I not be this number? Because we just, what are we doing? Like, I think it's a little much with Michael Jordan's number. I mean, the Lakers, how many of the single digits are retired? Is it all but like how many? Because uh, the, the Yankees are digits, basically all gone. <laughs> it's a lot of the, in the 30s because I know okay. like Ma- Magic is 32, Kareem's 33, Shaq's 34. Mm. Um, 
I think it might just be off the top of my head. Kobe at number eight might be the only. Didn't they do both? One. I think they did twenty four. They did. And they did, eight they did do both. They yeah. Did. Um, Lakers have a lot. I mean, the the, the crazy one's Boston. Boston has like yeah. 20 something numbers retired so like you can my thing would be like you can technically retire them like i'm okay with that but like if a player wants it and he's gonna be a star whatever like just let them have it like if and especially if the other player is living just be like are you okay with this guy having the number because i think a lot of chicago players would shy away from 23 i think naturally they're like yeah i'm good uh being the next number 23 in Chicago. Like, I, I think that's a hard pass for me. And I mean, even in Lakerland, like who wants to be eight or 24 uh, anytime soon? Like no one wants to do that. Like, yeah. it's just not, it's not what you want to do. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that's a more uh, me opinion, but you know, I, I have a stronger take on the statue own. when you're alive. I think that's weird. I think it would be weird for me to I walk by I, I, I could be more talked into the statue because I, I think there's like something to like statue and like the symbolism of like history and like, you know, most of the time statues are, are you know, kind of like old figures that just aren't alive. And like, you know, th- there aren't many like living people with statues, which I think so should that, be the that, goal. I think that was the, what they had in mind when they started doing statues, they were like, Oh, remember this awesome person? Like who used to roam these streets? That, Let's memorialize I think the retired them. jerseys though. That's where I, I'm, I'm cool with the retired jersey. Like, I just think yeah. it's, it's kind of a, like, it's almost like, like a hall of fame ceremony or like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like are, are you anti hall of fame then? Not anti Hall of Fame, but I will say there is not a sillier thing to get upset about than who is in and not in a Hall of Fame, regardless of sport. Like it's just doesn't matter. I promise you, it doesn't affect your life at all. Like I just, I've never understood. Well, like, no, well, no one can name everyone in the Hall of Fame. Either. No, like, that's the funny thing. It's like you, you remember the guy that you think should be in, mm-hmm. but you can't remember like you know the other three hundred people in it, um, or or maybe you know. You, you get my point. Yeah, it's just not... Folks, there's better ways to spend your time. There's better ways to spend your time. Uh, well, then on this, Yovan, what was your favorite uh, Christmas gift growing up? What's your all-time best Christmas gift? Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, probably, like, when I was younger, like, getting... I'd get, like, the new basketball shoe each year. Like, I'd get, like, one basketball shoe, and it would be, like... Uh, like, I got the Kobe's that um, I got the Kobe twos, not the Kobe ones, the Kobe. I, I really like the Kobe ones. Those were the Adidas ones, but the Kobe twos just look like a cylinder block. <laughs> like it was, it was r- ridiculously ugly, but it was just mm-hmm. like, I was in LA. I like the Kobe, like the, they were cool shoes at the time. Uh, they look like, like moon boots or something, <laughs> uh, but getting like T max or getting like LeBron's when LeBron mm-hmm. was a rookie, like that was always the highlight. Cause then, I knew that was going to be my shoe for the next like six to eight to 10 months. Mm. Um, and it was kind of always like, you know, what shoe do I want for, for the next year or so? Mm. Uh, so that, that was always fun. Um, I guess that that's what sticks out. Um, the, the best would be, uh, kind of unrelated, but, but related, like my brother would just never, we have like a running joke where my brother would just never be excited about any gift he got. And he would always just open it up and just kind of be like, Oh, like nice. Like that's me. Yovan. And, and that like, is we started, me. we started like recording it. Cause yeah. we wanted to be like, we want to remember how much like he's just not enthused about every gift. 
Look, let me go to bat for your brother, Jovan. Um, what is your brother's name? Nick. Okay, Nick. Uh, when you're listening to this podcast uh, during the holidays, um, that remember that I went to bat for you in this regard. There are people who are really good at giving gifts, and there are really there are people who are really good at receiving them, and it is asking a lot. And I'm this way too, where I'm like, I am not a emotional like a visibly emotional person i don't know how to like get uh, the kind of reaction because uh, the anxiety that overwhelms me when someone gets me a gift that i can tell they are excited they are giving me i don't even want to open the gift because i already know that like they are um just so excited to see my face this is um you're not married yet but you're you're engaged here's what's going to happen yovan you're going to get all these gifts and then you get to open them privately. It was incredible to open all these nice things from people and not have to just have them stare at you while you're opening these gifts. It's I like opening them private too, but if I open it's so much in better in private. Someone, Why do we do gifts fake, in person? I'm good at the fake. Like you can do oh, it. Oh, like my this wife is, so is incredible like, at this. I'm good yeah. at it. Um, so like no matter what gift I get, I, I always act excited. Yeah, but I, I do prefer. If I have the option to open it privately, I'd rather open it privately and then like have yes. my actual reaction to the gift. Because then I can just go up and be like, oh my God, thank you so much. That was great. It was so thoughtful. Then I give him a hug and then it's great. But like in the moment and I'm just tearing it off and I'm like, oh, cool. This is a cool thing that you got me. Thank you. And they're like, is that really? I thought you were going to. And you're like, okay, I, I don't, I, I can't win. Like, it's just not, not my personality. I, is your brother an introvert? I'd say he's more more of an introvert. That's it. I'm more of an introvert. I think it's an introvert thing. I think if you're an extrovert, you can fake it. And I'm an introvert too, though. So are I, you? I just yeah. I, hmm. I just I don't know. I guess I feel bad for the like. I feel bad that they took the time yeah and the money to buy me something. So I'm like, <laughs> it's almost like a people pleaser quality maybe yes. where I'm like, you know, I, I you you did you know you did this for me. So I'm gonna uh, reciprocate by yeah. acting very excited. With mm-hmm. whatever you got me, regardless of whether I'm excited or not. But, um, yeah, try try it next time. Just see if you can force yourself to uh, do a fake smile and and do a fake, you know, celebration <laughs> at, at whatever you got. Wow, new socks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is funny because it's like uh, I like those. I like wool socks. I'm excited for it. Like, yeah, nice. Like that's so nice. I just. I don't know. I it's in, I get in my head about it too, where I'm just like, <sighs> we'll yeah, see. It's but this is I, why I get it. I get it. I I just it, it was it was a fun running joke with my family. I like it. Um, Yo Bambua, what can the good folks check out from you over at theathletic.com this week? Uh, State of the Lakers, which is a check in I do every ten games on the team uh, with with ten relevant storylines. The big one is going to be kind of talking about the trade stuff and and some updates on that, but going through. Uh, rookie Max Christie playing well and Thomas Bryant's resurgence and like I get into the nitty gritty nerdy stuff if, if you're a Laker fan uh, also check me out on all social platforms at Yovan Buha especially TikTok where I continue to post regularly and um, give some behind the scenes content of what it's like to be a reporter so uh, check that out if you're on TikTok 
There you go. I, I knew Yovan would be an early TikTok guy. Like, Yovan <laughs> and TikTok is one of the least surprising developments of my professional career. It's, like, if I had to yeah. do a, a, a pool of, like, who in, uh, in our industry over the last 10 years would I guess would be really good on TikTok? Yovan would be the number one pick there. Um, Yovan, thank you as always, my friend. I uh, hope you have a great, safe holiday season, and uh, we will talk NBA again soon. Sounds good, man. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.